Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to wrap up the inaugural Disney Plus Marvel series known as The Wild Stallion and the Sexy Guy here at the Raven on Falcon and Winter Soldier subsection podcast. It is the end of six glorious episodes of two very pretty men and their adventures around the world. Also, Zemo was there. My name is Natalie. I'm the co-host of the show and with me as always is a man who when designing his ultimate superhero costume that potentially has unbreakable vibranium armor in it will (laughs) always choose always to just leave the top of his head totally bare just to really (laughs) let his hair be in the breeze just to give it some you know let the heat escape make sure that it's open to the sunshine and also <laughs> potentially bullets. It's Stuart Late. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. I mean, look, you know, like you lose all the all the heat out of the top of your head, so that's where you want to cool off from. You want to keep yourself ventilated. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not like Captain America is known for having like a helmet um, in, the, in the Marvel <laughs> Universe, and that could have easily been incorporated into some sort of flight suit. But, you know, it's uh, th- that's a very comics thing. It's, it's a comics thing to have like cloth that goes right up to the hairline and then stops. How um, does it stay there, Stu? How? Yeah, look, it's comic, so it d- you don't have to worry about that. And now that it's live action, they've somehow made it work. But Is it made of the same material that all the sexy lady comic stars oh, yes. have their sexy kind of, the, you know, the boob strapping where yeah, it just exactly. sort of. It's a combination between like spandex and body paint. Yes. It seems to be able to hold up a set of really pert double D breasts. Mm, yes. Just with something that looks like electrical tape. It's the one thing that I'm sort of glad they're moving away from in the comics. Well, one of the many things, actually. But but for a long time, like, costumes look like costumes. And then for a while in sort of the, the 70s, I guess, or the 80s through to, like, the 2000s, women and men were basically drawn like they were naked. And then they just colored in the costume <laughs> colors. It was very strange. Everyone all of a sudden looked like they were at a really sexy, kinky dress-up party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there was a it's weird like, sexual element to it that wasn't necessarily there before or was subtextual, and, and then suddenly it's very text. much in your face. <laughs> we're going to save the world and fight some crime, and then we're off to the B&D kink party. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And then afterwards we're having a key party, all right? I just want to make sure, no judgment from me, for people who, like, you're into that, absolutely oh, go no. for it. Be safe, be, be be consensual, live your best life. But I, I just didn't strike me as very practical for um, crime fighting. For crime fighting, yes. Mm. <laughs> well, Stu, we're here. We're at the end of the Wild Stallion and Sexy Guy Certainly Raven are. on Podcast subsection. All six episodes worth, the, the six-hour movie as they as they described it. Overall, just as, as a very quick, before we get into our one-minute challenge, how would you compare this to WandaVision? Like what are your initial kind of – Thoughts. What's your first I, I like WandaVision more only because I think that they went weirder and they tried to do different things. And, and also it was a TV show, if that makes sense. Like like every episode was an episode and different things happened in the episode. Whereas this one, quite uh, candidly and openly, the showrunners referred to it as a six hour movie. That, that's, that was the big pitch was that it's basically a six hour long Captain America 4, basically. But was it a success in that regard? I think there are things that it did well. Well, I think there's some things that it completely fluffed and there's other things that were extremely, extremely obvious and were meant to be uh, major twists and we'll definitely <laughs> that. I, I thought it was fine. And I think I think if this was a honestly, like if this was a two or a two and a half hour movie. I think there's things in here that would have worked really well. But I think stretching what is essentially a movie idea out to six hours like it was something still felt rushed weirdly it was it was very strange it was a weird experience and I think WandaVision worked better in what it set out to do. The structure seemed to suit it more. Every yeah. episode seemed to feel... Well, it was a full. show about television. Television was in its DNA, whereas this very pointedly was like... It, it was referred to as a six-hour movie on multiple occasions by mm. the creators. And that's kind of not how television works, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> even though even though a lot of streaming shows... You know, they refer to them now as like, you know, oh, they're, they're, they're eight hour movies, but it's like they're not really like they're, they're still episodes. Oh. You know, The Crown, for example, is not a 10 hour movie about the royals like like there's distinct 
episodes and it tells an overarching story. That's what a season of television does. But this was very much structured like a movie and the beats happened where they would in a movie, except it's a TV show and you're only getting an hour at a time. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why the big twist of of a certain thing, which we're going to talk about in a second, doesn't work (laughs) at all. Oh, my God. Anyway, I'll save my indignation for when we get to it. But um, but yeah, no, I thought it was fine. I thought I thought it it was it was ambitious in in the the themes that it was trying to do. I think it had a lot of table setting to do to get certain characters where they needed to be. But other than that, it was it was there was a lot of fun action in it and a lot of a lot of smartly done action in many cases. Mm-hmm. It had like one big action set piece every every episode basically. Yeah. And it was usually pretty a pretty good set piece. Like it was a pretty good if you if you're watching for fun superhero action it's all working it was good it was good fun i liked it a lot i thought there were things that didn't do particularly badly but nothing marvel makes is is outright bad anymore yeah that's right you know and anyone anyone who says it is that's just your opinion man (laughs) do you think you might know more about this than i do given the whole marvel stage three stage four business was this always planned as a tv show and if so Was it a way of kind of softly, softly getting Anthony Mackie into the Captain America role? Like, would yes, yes, both of those, yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Had this been a movie, a standalone movie, Captain America for the Rise of the Falcon or, or whatever, do you think it would have been a harder sell than? what we got, which was had a bit more time I, to breathe, a bit more time to kind of see his reluctance to take on the, the mantle and then to see what happens if someone who wasn't him did it, to see the backstory of racial inequality and what that means for a future of a black a Captain America. Like, would it have been a bit more like, oh, they've made Captain America black outrage, whereas this one it got the chance to breathe a bit more? Like, is yeah. that was that the advantage of the television format? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I definitely think so. Like, for, As far as I know, this television series was always planned as part of Phase 4 because, like I said, this was going to be the first of the Disney Plus shows that came out, and it was going to directly follow on from the Black Widow movie, which was supposed to be in theatres. And COVID shut down everything, and WandaVision for some reason, was able to complete on schedule ahead of Falcon and Winter Soldier, so it got released first. And then mm. nothing really changes with that. But, you know, you can see why they went for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for Disney+, Plus because they're trying to convince people, hey, it's just like the movies, right? And so, like, it's got big action set pieces and, and quippy banter, and, and it feels very much like an MCU movie stretched out to six hours. It's designed that way. Yeah. I think that doesn't serve it particularly well but i think that's why it exists it was meant to ease viewers in it turns out viewers are very smart and they'll accept a lot of things and they embraced wandavision wholeheartedly so you kind of almost didn't need this show but you do need it to to sort of do a lot of table setting i think there's a universe where they just made the next captain america movie and it had Sam Wilson as Captain America having taken over from Steve. There's a way to do that movie. And it would probably be about him reckoning with with all this stuff, but as Captain America. And I think there's a way to tell that story with him starting out as Captain America. Yeah, that's right. Maybe becoming disillusioned in the middle and then then taking up the mantle again. Yeah. By the end or something something along those lines. You know, then bringing John Walker in as a replacement. when could have dueling Captain Americas or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. John Walker is the government's Captain America, but Sam Wilson is like the people's Captain america or something (laughs) that that's a way to do it like there's there's versions of that story that also work but you know it's not a bad way to do it to have him initially refuse the call and then the whole series be about justifying why he is captain america yeah i don't hate that and it doesn't hurt his character at all like by the time you get to the final episode and he shows up in that costume i'm like yes hell yes let's do this i'm just interested because like to me as a as an outsider essentially to the kind of world of of marvel and that sort of thing if they did the next movie and they were like oh anthony mackie's the new captain america i'd be like oh okay cool like the fact that he's black wouldn't be a thing for me and i guess i'm wondering is i mean maybe i'm giving too much credit to the world for being a 
better place than it is. <laughs> uh, maybe the idea of a black Captain America is still an issue for some people, and maybe oh, it, it definitely is. It one hundred percent is. And, is it um, okay? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like when I mean, Sam debuted as Captain America in the comics a few years ago. Where, where, you know, wearing almost identical an identical costume to this. They've they've basically taken that costume directly from the comics. I felt bad actually because I sent you a picture of his costume in the comics. Yeah. To, to sort of give you an idea about what he might look like not realizing oh no they're, they're going to do exactly that exactly. Costume. <laughs> um that's the exact costume he wears in the comics like it's one of the most faithful comics to film adaptations in the mcu i've ever seen oh wow um, you saw those images i, I showed you like yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's just, he had the, the wings kind of down behind him and he yeah. uses them almost like a like a tripod sort of thing yeah, he exactly, for yeah, stability yeah. and you know because he doesn't have super strength but he can plant those down and hold someone back type of exactly. thing. Exactly. And it's, it's a vibranium suit. So and he, in the comics, it's vibranium as well. So it basically, he's almost like Iron Man a, a little bit because he basically, like the suit helps him out a lot. He can do things like lift a car because he has like drones and the suit helping him out and that sort of yes. thing. Yes. Yes, that's right. Which is good. It's interesting. It's an interesting twist on the character. Um, but You were saying yeah, when, like, when he debuted in the comics as Black Captain America, there was some kickback, was there, or...? Exactly, yeah. So, so when when he debuted in the comics, there was some kickback from from like, let's just say it, racists uh, who <laughs> you know were like, you okay. know, oh, oh, you know, you can't have a black Captain America. It's like, why, why not? What what fascinating like storytelling opportunities that gives to have a black man be carrying the stars and stripes, as the show rightly points out. Like that's that's interesting. That has like dramatic tension to it. You know, in addition to being inspiring and, you know, having having that sort of representation, which matters, it absolutely matters to have a black guy as Captain America, you know, like, so I, I think I think there would have been some pushback. I think they probably sidestepped a lot of it by doing it this way and, and showing the journey. I, I think it would only be a hard line of straight up racists who would have a problem with. Yeah, that's. Sam is yeah, Captain that's, America. That's that's what I sort of feel, but I guess maybe they were hedging their bets. Or I, I, yeah. like as you say, I'm just. It would just be interesting, given as we've talked about before, the possible influence that Watchmen may have had on this show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not it was scripted before Watchmen, or it, you know, kind of changed. But the the. Oh, this would have been written after Watchmen came out. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so, but, but I mean, we, you can't say for sure that they've sort of watched Watchmen and gone, you know what, let's do some stuff along those lines. They're, we, they're working in the same, I mean, they're, they're exploring similar themes. And so there's right. a lot of crossover there. I don't, I don't think they're deliberately aping Watchmen, but I think, no, no, no. I think but, the, those two shows like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Watchmen are in conversation with each other. Yes, but it might be, what I mean is that's just the time that we're in where the this is a very, I say trend, not as in, oh, it's trendy, but like this is something that we've seen a lot in storytelling is, reckoning with the wrongs of the past and and bringing absolutely no there was definitely there was definitely um pushback from again racists uh who were worried about dr manhattan uh there was there was a lot of pushback from uh racists talking about how dr manhattan isn't a black guy and you know that it's slightly more nuanced there because he chooses to change his appearance but and, you know, uh, clearly he's fine as a blue guy <laughs> he, he's a blue guy i mean at the end of the day he's a blue guy let's not forget giant blue wang indeed indeed just a little bit of a shout out there to our 2019 podcast <laughs> the watchman subsection <laughs> I'm just interested, like, was it always something that maybe had to happen that there would – I look, and I say – again, I say this as a white person. I'm not – I understand that it's wonderful thing to kind of bring these things in and the way they talked about and had the character of Isaiah Bradley there to represent the wrongs of the past. And I do say this as a white person, but I'm interested in is there, as you said, just the, the universe where he's just Captain America and that's it, there's no – I think there's a version, but I think it goes beyond. It goes beyond like just Anthony Mackie as Captain America as well. Like like this show was designed to sell the idea of the MCU on Disney Plus. Like it was supposed to be the first Disney Plus show. Yes. Uh, and so it was supposed to ease audiences into the idea of okay, this this isn't the movies, but it's like the movies, and you can have just as much fun watching it, and we still have the same like production values, and because it's Disney, like we can just throw money at this, so like we've got the same production values, like it doesn't look like a TV show, it feels like you're watching, you know, and it, it kind of does in some places, but and it it felt very much like a TV show in the first uh, episode, like, like I said, you know, it's a lot of people standing around in rooms talking. 
<laughs> as a, as, but then it would have like those incredible action sequences, um, which felt very cinematic. So you know, it was kind of it was kind of meant to ease audiences into the idea of the Marvel universe also being on TV as well. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm really interested in it as what it represents in that transitional role that it's playing. Of, and in both cases, in both cases, yeah. you could argue you didn't need to do it in either case. Like you know, there's mm. there's a universe where like. Uh, Sam Sam is Captain America and starts the movie as Captain America and there's a universe where they didn't have to do Falcon and the Winter Soldier first they could have done something else yeah and, and we live in that universe because they had to do WandaVision first and <laughs> turns out it's fine turns out people people are on board they're savvy they yeah. know how TV works yeah that's right um, so you know I, I think they didn't have to do either of, of those things but they did and we got the show that we got so yeah. <laughs> there we are it's just me thinking about it as a whole and realizing that sometimes when when you do have those firsts, yeah. that it is important to put a marker in that and go, oh, this is the first. This yeah. is the first Black Captain America and his story of how he got there, and we're highlighting that and using this show to do that, yes. and that has a value. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, no, I I totally agree. I don't I don't think the show is wrong to do what it did um no no I, think, I, I, yeah, yeah. I i'm i'm not expressing myself well Stu, because i've been very tired and <laughs> have, i'm more we controversial all? than i mean i guess i guess maybe as a white person i'm sort of thinking like oh let's just do it and make no comment on it let's just have a black captain america and go yep that's it now but i the flip side is that Actually, for minorities, it is important to kind of mark the moment when representation, you know, happens and it's yeah. significant. I do agree yeah. with that. In the same way when they go, oh, look, it's a woman this and it's the first woman who's ever run this police force or it's the first woman who's ever been this prime minister. It's a, and it's it, it, it would be nice to not be constantly having firsts is, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's right. Uh, so, someone's got to be first. and It would have been nice to have the first <laughs> several years ago. Yeah, yeah. I guess that I'm comparing it to my experience as a woman, which I appreciate is different to being an African American and that sort of thing. So, yes, that's the complex world of race, of intersectionality, and gender and intersectionality that we're highly qualified to talk about. Oh students. yes, absolutely. Um, Especially me. <laughs> you are probably more than I am. I tend to be very insensitive on such matters, as evidenced in my uh, recap series. Oh, hey, quick sidebar. <laughs> Before we get into our internet <laughs> challenge, did you see that House of the Dragon has gone into production? I did. I was I was going to bring this up at the end so it could be like the the coda, but um we, we could definitely talk about it right. now in terms of um so yes no I, I definitely did I I saw it uh, because of your tweet actually. So this is one of um, the reasons that I am very tired is because I was getting ready for bed one night very late. <laughs> let's say it was in the morning of the next day, and then yes. I saw the Game of Thrones account which I follow hmm. tweet out a fire emoji, and then a few minutes later another emo- it was like three fire emojis. And then the next one was five fire emojis. And I was like, mm, okay, something's coming. I now have to stay up and wait <laughs> <laughs> because this is going to be something. And then they did one that was like 12 fire emojis. And, yes, I counted. And then they went to like a half of the Twitter character allowance fire emojis. And then they put fire emojis next to the username on the at, you know, it was at fire emoji, Game yeah. of Thrones, fire emoji. Then they did one that was the whole screen of fire emoji. And this all took place over the course of almost an hour. Probably yes. was an hour, and I'm sitting there going, "Hurry up! I've got to go to bed, but I've got to see what this is." Do you do your bit and hurry up? Come on. And then they posted the picture of like the first table read for yes. House of the Dragon. Everyone and nicely it, socially distanced. It's very oh, good. Oh, it looked like a again like the GRC council meeting in <laughs> yes, it did actually, yeah. the Winter Soldier. It looked exactly like that, where it's like everyone is two meters apart at their own desk with their own microphone and their own. You know, because we're putting press photos out. We don't want anyone to accuse us of breaking any COVID safety regulations. So it's all above board. And then they went through and put individual pictures of, of the cast. And Matt Smith's in it, which I think I knew. But then yeah, I was yeah, like. He's, um, he's Damon Targaryen. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of other people, most of whom I don't know or don't know well. But I was excited. And 2022, which means we have another podcast. Dude. We, we definitely, I mean, you know, for now anyway, until this one gets cancelled. But, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I'm just saying, like, like yeah, they filmed a pilot of that other one, The Long Night. Oh, um, sorry. I thought you meant until our podcast, until our podcast got cancelled. Oh, no. <laughs> We've been cancelled, finally. <laughs> We're cancelling ourselves. So, yes, I'm very excited. 2022, I imagine it'll be around that late northern spring time, April, May, if they're sort of starting now. If they're, they're sticking with tradition. That, that's when Game of Thrones used to come yeah, out. Yeah, so, so uh, that would be good. And then I'll definitely be recapping because, by God, I will oh, yeah. try to recapture past glories. This is the thing. We can go back to Raven On. Like, that's that's, just, uh, that's us. The, it's the pure, unadulterated Raven on. Absolutely. I mean, I assume they're still sending ravens, or they were. I'm assuming I mean, raven technology is not super new in Westeros. Yeah, I, I don't think you can improve upon raven technology. So, well, I, unless the Targaryens <laughs> sent dragons. They well, just had, I mean, that's that's true. That's very they true. Had, they had postman dragons. <laughs> <laughs> just with a little. Who would they get chased by smaller barking dragons? <laughs> And then castles would have like a sign on the door saying yeah. official dragon mail only, no junk yeah. mail. Yeah, that's right. No raven mail. Raven mail <laughs> was junk mail. <laughs> this is all canon now. There you go, George R. R. Martin. We've sorted yeah. it. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I'm very excited because if they take the rest of the year to film it and then do the special effects and whatnot, because I imagine they'll have to have a fair bit of special effects because, you know, there's a lot of dragons. Totally. They have to open with some big-ass dragons. Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones built to the dragons, whereas this thing's going to open up. There's dragons everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of in reverse almost, not to, yeah. not to spoil it. But will see them getting smaller probably if it's – Yes, it's a, I think so, yeah. The, 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 isn't it about the split between the, the two factions of the family, I think? Yeah, it's the, it's about the dance yeah. of the dragons, so yeah. yeah. But uh, look, I'm excited because it, it, at least something seems to be moving forward, so. Yeah, totally. I don't think they put out press photos of the, the pilot that they did that they then canned. No, See, no that, that thing is under lock and key. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, I, I, I'm desperate to see. I thought they might do it for the 10th anniversary, but I haven't seen it anywhere. There's descriptions of it, but I don't think any footage of the original pilot has made it out. For anyone who doesn't know, they, they famously shot a pilot for Game of Thrones and then realized it was it was crap. It was too long and it was it was all this sort of thing. So they went back to the drawing board, rewrote it, recast a bunch of people and then filmed the pilot that we saw. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't think any footage of that original pilot has come out. No. I'd I love to see it. Remember how everyone was so angry with the Benioff and Weiss after the finale of season eight? Yes, yes. And then they ended up doing like a, I think some press or in one of the documentaries that was on the final season DVD or something like that. They talked, they did an interview somewhere where they talked about how they did the first pilot and they didn't know what they were doing. And yes, they had yeah. kind of pitched this big show and then when they actually, you know, HBO went, yeah, sounds great. Here's some money. They went off and went, oh, what are we doing? We actually don't know what we're doing. Yeah, we don't know how to make a show. <laughs> we don't know how to make a show. Which is and bananas. But everyone was so angry at them with the end of season eight that they kind of retroactively applied that anger to the beginning pilot and were like, this just shows mediocre white men can just get a bunch of money. They don't know what they're doing. They screw it all up. And then they, and, and the thing is, yes, absolutely that is true. I mean, it is true, yes. <laughs> uh, it is very, very true. But also I don't think they're alone in that. I think that's probably true of like oh, oh no. so many shows that – started kind of bumpy and then they had to go to someone and go, we actually talked a bit of shit. We don't know what we're doing. Can someone help us? <laughs> and yes, I'm also understanding that most of the people who are in that situation are probably mediocre white men. So let's allow more women to fail, please. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Absolutely. Speaking of Game of Thrones, I got a lovely surprise in the mail from of all people or companies, Foxtel. They sent me, to celebrate the Game of Thrones anniversary, a bottle of wine. Oh, really? In a beautiful custom, like, Game of Thrones, the 10th anniversary, the Iron Anniversary box, like a plywood sort of box that's been specially designed, has a little clasp, opened it up. There's a nest of sort of straw in there, and lying on it was a beautiful custom-labeled bottle of Wester Rosé. Ah. Uh... <laughs> 
and they had a little map and it's so sweet. Well, they, I knew something was coming because they'd, they'd sent me a DM on Twitter saying, oh, it's been two years since Thrones 360 Live and we'd like to just send you something to, to commemorate the 10-year the anniversary of Game of Thrones beginning. And I was like, oh, my God, you just made my day. I was having a bad day, Stu. <laughs> I imagine that would have cheered you up. And someone reaching out sometimes is what you need. They reached out and they said, we just want to pop something in the mail to you. And I was like, I'm going to cry. You remember me. (laughs) (laughs) Remember the time I was on the telly, Stu? I do. That was a hell of a thing. It was a hell of a thing. I was going to go places, Stu. I was going to be a shooting star. (laughs) I'm now podcasting in my underpants. So... Anyway, Westeros Day. I don't know what to do with this. I don't drink. And now I'm like, well, do I keep this bottle? Because it's super pretty and and sweet. But also, you know, it's Westeros Day. It's meant to be drunk and enjoyed and quaffed, (laughs) suitably quaffed. I should dress up as Cersei and just kind of drink it like I'm (laughs) getting my Cersei on. Anyway, that's our Game of Thrones House of the Dragon subsection sidebar. Let's do our one-minute challenge. I'll go first because I think you'll have more sensible comments. Uh, Well, we'll see. (laughs) Okay. Sam is Captain America and, wow, he loves a lecture. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's allowed to speak as Captain America. He's absolutely entitled to speak. Absolutely. Was was it just me or was it like a... A little much? It went on for a little bit too long. They wanted to make sure they really hammered home that point. And it's one of those things where you kind of start talking and, and you see people nodding along and it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting through to them. I'm getting through to them. And then you keep talking and people stop nodding and, and everyone kind of starts <laughs> looking a bit bored and distracted. And it's like, <laughs> no, no, stop. You, you had them five minutes ago. Our attention spans have radically declined. (laughs) Hey, we can't talk. These podcasts regularly run an hour. So, uh, oops. But look, I know that Senator was a a bit of a dick because, you know, he's a Senator. Most of them, I assume, are. But he (laughs) he actually said a really good thing to Captain America, to Sam. He said, so what people who've come back, been snapped back, and there are people living in their houses, they should just go away. And he didn't really have to. He didn't really have a reply for that. He was just like, well, you've got to do better. And it's like, that's a really good point. And the the whole GRC thing, yes, maybe their legislation was too draconian and it was good that the vote got stopped. But this is like a massive logistical crap fest. And unfortunately, this is where superheroes can't really do much because, unfortunately, bureaucracy... (laughs) Red tape, government, is what kind of has to be done to eventually sort out all these problems. It is tough. And you can almost make the the excuse that, like, well, you know, it's a superhero show. So, I mean, like, of course things are, are, are made a bit more simplistic, except for the fact that this show was very specifically muddying things up and making things complicated. That was its whole deal. Do you mean on purpose or on... On, on purpose. Like, like they, they deliberately were sort of working in the murky areas of, is this right? Like, like you know, obviously it's not right to move people on. Although they, they wait until the last episode to really dig into this properly. But if you come back and someone's living in your house, is it still your house? Like... What happens, yeah, you know? because if you've disappeared or your whole family's gone or you've disappeared and all of a sudden your house is there but you've gone, at some point the government has to go, well, we need to declare those people dead and gone. Yes, so exactly. We can... yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, like people yeah. would have been declared dead and, and they would have had to try and reclaim their lives. And actually those would be the people who would be the refugees. <laughs> like yes. there's no way, there's no way that a government would say, okay, everyone out. Everyone out. If, if it's not your house, you got to leave. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, you can't just walk back into a house that was yours five years ago. If you went missing now and you were declared dead or you went yes. off the – if you went off the map and your family went, well, we think they've gone, so we need to move on, we need to sell their house, and then you just turn back up again, you can't totally. then get angry at people that they've sold your house. And that's when you've chosen to leave. These are people who didn't choose to leave. They were snapped away. So, yes. of course, there's exactly. going to be like – you know, so, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but I was sort of like understanding the horrible faceless bureaucrat side of things. Well, it's just n- nothing about the flag smashes or the Global Repatriation Council makes any sense if you think about it for more than two seconds. Yeah. Like it just, none of it makes sense. It, they've taken the opposite stance to what would actually be the case. And my personal theory is that they don't want the blip 
to have been a bad thing for people in the sense that like you want it to be a good thing that everyone came back that's right and if you and if you make it so that they actually caused a bunch of problems like it, it still kind of did but like it caused problems for the people who were left behind it didn't cause problems for the people who came back because they got to just take up their lives again like nothing happened yeah and that just it just wouldn't happen that way no it absolutely because would not it would be hugely complicated because they'd be displaced or dispossessed persons. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. They would be the refugees. They, yeah. they would be the people who were homeless. They, they, were, they would be stateless in some cases. Um, they yeah. wouldn't have any money. Like, it would just be, yeah, it doesn't make any sense that the, the downtrodden refugees who are fighting back against the system are the ones who weren't snapped away for five years. And wasn't Sam snapped away for five yes, years? Yes, he was. Yes, absolutely he was. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't he know that? Then how... Yes, he has a personal connection to the whole deal, and they never bring that up. And Bucky as well. Like they never seem to. Away as well. They never mention that those two had a personal experience of being snapped. So they must have just come back and I guess been given their whole lives back, which I suppose they're Avengers. So maybe I mean, yeah, they were. They're, they're Avengers, and like Tony probably helped them out. Although we we've since found out he didn't pay anyone. Yeah, that's right. So uh, they've come back. They've had no money, but I suppose his sister has still got a house, and he's turned back up there. And exactly, and that seems to be where he's landed. He sort of landed back with his family. But mm. yeah, like it just. Uh, they, it, so much about the situation it just feels poorly thought through like like they they thought about it and then they didn't think about all the implications of the ideas that they were having and because it went on for so long yes to me it became a bit more like you know he had some nice lines in there like where he said it's really complicated and he's like you wouldn't understand he's like i'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes i deal with you know uh judgment every day or something like that exactly and if they'd managed to tie that in if they'd and they kind of did at the start like they they tied that all in to the thread of him becoming captain america and also him becoming an advocate for the downtrodden so sort of taking over the flag smashers cause in many ways. Yeah, this leads to my second point, right. which probably feeds in here is, but Carly was evil though. Carly was super evil and they, they made a point, like she set a carload of people on fire and was actively trying to kill multiple civilians in the in the finale. Like it's this problem that they have where they're trying to make the villain sympathetic, but also still uh, be a comic book villain. Yeah. So they so, were like about to push a truck full of people off a construction site or something. Yes. And she had very clearly fallen over the edge of some people don't matter. Like yes. some people are, are, are expendable. And it would be fine if they had built that up in any way. But she was there from minute one, you know, like she was she was right there. She blew up that building full of people. Yes. And that, that was like the episode we're introduced to her. So then here comes Captain America with his angelic wings sort of descending <laughs> into the scene where Bucky is that carrying like. Shot. That was a good shot. It was a that. great shot. Don't get me wrong. But it's like here's the sort of martyred corpse of a terrorist it was a strange juxtaposition if i can use that word in that context it may not quite be right but it was like it it was like a pieta kind of thing like when the virgin mary is like cradling the body of her dead son and and particularly with the angel it was just so many biblical kind of references in there for me there there was angelic overtones to the it was just my lapsed catholicism was just came roaring (laughs) back (laughs) but because the way he descended was like the, the the wings were in like the upright kind of angel position. Totally, yeah. Oh, like, it was it was a deliberate choice. Absolutely. They weren't kind of falcony out and speedy. They were all like, oh, and he comes down with this body going, oh, look, the martyred corpse, and this is, this is, you know, you have to stop calling them terrorists. And it's like, yeah, but but she did cross the line they, into they, terrorism. They are literally terrorists, as was pointed out in the absolutely brilliant pitch meeting, uh, screen oh rant pitch God. meeting video for this for this series, wow, wow, um, wow, which wow. absolutely nailed it. Like, like it's always really though those videos are always really fair in their criticism. And yeah, like the flag smashers are the dictionary definition of terrorists. Yeah. Like that's what they are. <laughs> they, the Carrying fact out that, acts of violence for a political agenda. For a political agenda. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, they, they are literally terrorists. And the fact that that word has become very complicated in recent years, and, and not only that, but the cause that they're fighting for can be seen as very sympathetic by many people. You know, it doesn't change the fact that they are literally terrorists. Yeah. As portrayed in this show. And it's complicated because I think there's a lot of trouble if you make a terrorist group any one particular ethnicity i think that's 
Oh, yeah, it, it was a rainbow coalition of all different Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I think to go to have a credible terrorist threat, you now need to be very inclusive with your criminals. Yeah, you, you can't just have them all be one race because then it becomes it becomes a stereotype and 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 bad. That's right. Um, it's a really interesting development in our in our culture as we come forward. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying that as with with any kind of weight to it, like a positive or negative. It's just an interesting thing to observe that the terrorists were like one world, one people. No, no, no. We're not sort of fighting for a political agenda for a country or a religion. We're fighting for a half the world who've been left behind by the fact that they were left behind yeah so it's an experiential group sympathy sure yeah exactly (laughs) um which i guess is similar to a race or a religion but on a bigger scale but yes it was very determinedly a a rainbow coalition that's a very good yeah they they were not they they were not any single race that they they very purposely cast the net very wide yes (laughs) including an australian asian guy but yes, but if the Australian Asian guy had been the leader, there's no way they would have done the shot with Captain America descending. You know, it was the fact that she was a young woman that they could do uh, that. Yeah, possibly, yeah. If it was Bucky had died and Sam's like cradling the body of yeah. his fallen comrade, then yes. But you, you wouldn't do that for a male terrorist leader, no matter what their race, I think. I think that sure. was, to me, there was a signifier in the fact that like, oh, no, look, this beautiful teenage girl's life has been snuffed out because she became an evil terrorist but you know so sad that she felt (laughs) that she had to resort to killing dozens possibly hundreds of people but look we lost the promise of a psychopath (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe i'm being too mean on carly no 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 i I think you're right and her characterization was all over the place and not not all of that was erin kellyman's fault like i think her character was written very inconsistently across the show and it was hard to figure out what her motivation was scene to scene and then you had the weird final confrontation between her and sam where you know like i I liked the idea of sam you know using the shield and not fighting her like like using it purely defensively and saying i'm not going to fight you you know you have to you have to talk to me you can't just keep trying to kill me like you've got to talk to me that's good i I want that in captain america specifically but also superheroes in general i I, I really like that but they kind of had got to have their cake and eat it too because then they just had sharon shoot her and she's dead it's it's so funny that as you say superheroes are like no we just need to talk even doctor who we just need to sit down and talk but in reality when we're looking for entertainment, we actually don't want to watch the people sitting around talking. That's what the GRC <laughs> were doing. They were just sitting around talking. I've worked in government. I've been at meetings where it's people just sitting around and talking. And sometimes yes. you're like, you know what? I just want a superhero to come in here and just beat a few people up <laughs> just to stop me from nodding off. But unfortunately, that's just the way that like slowly, slowly, slowly civilization progresses. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's so dull, Stu. <laughs> Progress is so boring. Yeah, civilized, civilized, mature progress is very boring. Oh, God. Can't we just have some revolutions? <laughs> so, yeah, so that well, that brings me, you, you lead very nicely into my third point, which was, oh, Sharon is the obvious twist. Uh, Sharon is the extremely obvious twist, yes. Yeah, walk me through your feelings of that, Stu. I assume that's on your list. It uh, is indeed on my list. It, it is the most glaring example of how... This show being a six hour movie in quotes lets itself down because in a movie you can almost see that twist working. It might be a little bit obvious, but you know, everything else is going on and you maybe don't have time to put two and two together because you're concentrating on other things. But the trouble is this is a TV show and what's more, it's a week to week TV show. Mm. So every episode between every episode, you have a week to think about it and analyze it and the internet gets to work and starts using the hive mind to like just grind away at the show and find out all its secrets. And this wasn't even particularly cleverly, like if this was in a movie, it would not be a clever twist. It would be like, okay, yeah, uh, I guess, you know, but in this format, it's glaringly obvious from the episode in which it appears yeah. Like, as soon as Sharon showed up, I was like, oh, well, she's the power broker. That's <laughs> Particularly. Absolute, I, I said it on this podcast. I'm yeah, like, I'm you pretty did. sure she's the power broker. I'm going to go back and get the bit of you. No, I'm get not going to do that. sounds like Run a lot of work. Run the tape. 
thinking about it going back in my mind, remember how we were talking like everyone's firing at them when they, they shot the second in command and then they were on the run and a message went out, they're a bounty on their heads and then they're being shot out yeah. from all quarters. They reach a small dark alley, Sharon walks out and then they just like slump off to her house. What happened to the yes. – it's like it stopped because she obviously went, okay, stop, bounty's off or whatever. But why set the bounty in the fir- – I suppose to throw them off the scent. But – yeah. I mean, maybe like none, none of none of that makes sense in hindsight. Like you go back and think about it, it's like why yeah. would there be a bad? Why would there be a bad? She wants to talk to them, doesn't she? Like yeah. just have them brought to her. Like have, you know, we uh, anyway, fucking and, crazy. And would ha- would it have been more interesting to have her be revealed as a power broker in that episode three, and then try and work with her and have their kind of like a ethical dilemma with working with her? Yes, except we now know that they needed to set her up as like this weird sleeper agent sort of thing. Oh, yes, because of that post-credit sequence. Because then the post-credit scene is her getting her old job back, basically, or, or at least, you know, being welcomed back uh, into the intelligence community and her immediately getting on the phone and being like, yeah, oh, we we got access to all kinds yeah. of crazy secrets She now. walks right out of the Capitol building straight on the phone. Yeah, guys, I'm back at the job. That I'm now spying on. We did on. it. We did it. We did it, guys. Which makes hey, you wonder, first of all, like, like, who is she talking to? <laughs> Seriously, like, like, like that, that's, that, that's, that's a question that needs to be asked because, like, does Minions. she have a boss? Who is she talking to? <laughs> the power broker. So maybe, like, the power station? <laughs> the generator. <laughs> the power station. <laughs> the power, power generator. generator. <laughs> the power pack. Um, oh, man. I just like like I, so much about that is just genuinely dumb, and it's the one <laughs> it's the one big misstep of the show, I think, and how it ends up playing out across various other shows that are coming up and movies potentially will go a long way to either justifying it or completely condemning it because well you know yeah a few podcasts ago you gave us a bit of a rundown on Sharon Carter and how she was you know essentially Steve Rogers's good time gal. Sorry, main yeah. you know, favorite gal. She was agent thirteen. She she was she was like a seri- a big deal in the comics. So she was never a bad guy in the comics. No, she's done similar things in the comics in the sense that she's kind of gone off the grid and done morally dubious things for Shield. Yeah, but you know, she always in the assumption that like she's a, a super spy. You know, like, yeah, that's her whole deal. And so this is the thing. I have a theory about what's going theory. on with Sharon. <laughs> oh, see, this is the thing. So what happened with Sharon in the, in the show was so obvious and yet still apparently a twist. I was like, that can't be it. That can't be right. And I was like, OK, well, in that case, like, there, there must be some reason for it. And I'm like, I wonder if she's a scroll right because this is now on the table in the marvel comics it's famously uh if someone acts out of character or if you want to retcon an old story you either say it was a scroll or a life model decoy there's two different ways to get out of it <laughs> and you can just explain away like weird or out of character behavior by doing that so much so that it's like, almost become like a running joke in the marvel universe in the show <laughs> we have scrolls on the table now so it's like maybe and we know that secret invasion the show is coming up and has a lot of big names attached to it we know uh samuel jackson's going to be in it apparently olivia coleman is going to be in it uh, oh is that the one that uh daenerys targaryen's going to be in i saw an announcement yes and, and uh, amelia clark is going to be in it as well yeah Secret um, Invasion. Secret Invasion, which is all about, in the comics, the, the Secret Invasion storyline was all about the Skrulls having infiltrated Earth and infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and several superhero communities. And there was big reveals in that comic series that certain superheroes who had been quite prominent in, in storylines up until that point turned out to be Skrulls, quite famously. Well, they hadn't just been kind of secretly replaced by a Skrull. They turned out to be Skrulls from the get-go. Yeah, like some of them had been replaced, and then others, it turned out every everything in their recent past had in fact been a scroll posing as them. Right. Um, it's the comic book version then of it was all a dream. We can bring all those comics back and start them again, the characters back and a little, start them well, again. Kind of, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Sometimes it's used like that, absolutely. But then I am not the only person to have the Sharon is a scroll theory. Like uh, this week on online, I've seen lots of people point that out to the point where there's actually been a bit of a backlash against that theory, 
where people are sort of saying, yeah, that would be dumb and silly. And I'm like, that's not a reason that it couldn't happen. But, <laughs> you know, especially like we know Secret Invasion is coming. Like people are going to turn out to be Skrulls. Maybe Sharon's going to be a Skrull. But the other option is that maybe she's being some sort of weird triple agent here, which is, you know, she's kind of breaking bad, but she's doing it for the right reasons. Like she's trying to get one step ahead of criminal organizations and things by posing as a criminal organization. And we also have, we have the series uh, Armor Wars coming up, which is going to uh, star Rhodey, War Machine. As in wearing armor. Yes. Not to uh, armor like A-M-R-E-R for some reason. That's how it appeared in my head. <laughs> armor Wars. <laughs> But anyway, we, we so, will find out. But but I think I think there, there's possibly more going on with Sharon than just what we've been presented here, because that twist was so garbage. There has to be more to it. I can't believe that that was just it. And now she's just unexamined, unironically, the power broker like that doesn't make any sense to me. So was there a power broker in the comics? Yes, and it wasn't Sharon Carter. It was it was like a, a low-level criminal who, like we said, did like backyard superhero conversions. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I want to mention, which might sound a bit unkind, and I don't right. mean it to be unkind, but I think Emily Van Camp is, is fine enough. To me, though, she yeah. doesn't seem to have the charisma that maybe the translation into a villain. For me, that sort of reveal... It just didn't quite work. She didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Although I've seen a lot of the reviews talking about this episode talked about apparently she's on a show called Revenge. Yes, um, but I don't think that's on anymore, is it? It used to be. No, 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 her... it's, it's not. But, but a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, this is playing to her strengths because, like, she played, like, a duplicitous person on Revenge. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, it's not coming through on the screen here. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not really working. I, mm, yeah, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, yeah. it just You're didn't totally – it seemed kind of sassy, like, uh-huh, I'm the – like, I don't know. She just didn't seem to bring the charisma to it. And, again, I don't want this to sound too unkind because maybe it was just the script writing. They didn't kind of give her enough to, like, you know, punch with, and maybe it was the way it unfolded. It just wasn't very – as we said, because it was such an obvious twist, they seemed to, like, reduce the amount of time you saw her on screen each week because if yeah, they, they left... Yeah, didn't, they didn't want you thinking about it too much. That's right. If you, you thought about it too much, you'd be like, oh, wait, but which we all did anyway. I wonder if they, like, not had her in it at all and then just revealed her at the end. Like, oh, my God, it was you. <laughs> well, that might have had more impact. But... Uh, you have to remind people of who she is, though. Like, yeah. Because, like, she was only in, like, two of the movies and was a reasonable amount of it. But, like, I, I've had people, I've seen people complain online. This TV show is basically, a, in many ways, a sequel to Captain America Civil War, as, as opposed to, like, Avengers Endgame. Like, it's very much a sequel to Captain America Civil War. And they, they couldn't remember a lot of the plot points. A lot of them couldn't remember who Zemo was. Yes, um, I've, I've you know, had that let discussion. Alone, let alone Sharon Carter. Well, let me finish off my list then because I've only got a few things and we can deal with them in one sentence and then move on to your list because you might have other okay. things. Uh, I had fights, 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 fights. It was – they saved <laughs> up the budget. This one, yeah. yeah, they saved up the budget from the last couple of episodes, I think, I just – Spend it all here. This episode had a weird structure because it, it again, was that six-hour movie thing. So they're, they're, they're getting to all the climaxes of, of the, the storylines, and then it's kind of over, and we still have half the episode to go. It, it was a weird structure. Anyway. So lots of fights, and then fun, happy boat times with Bucky <laughs> and Cake. <Yes. laughs> and Good then stuff. finally, a glimpse of Zemo as his Alfred blows up the Super Smashers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was glad to at least see Zemo getting, you know, at least a little bit of, yeah, I killed some more super soldiers. Woohoo. He, fin he finished the job. Yeah, because they were going to be taken to the raft where he was. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Zemo will kill them. And then just as I was thinking that, his butler did it right there. <laughs> the butler did it. <laughs> So, your list, you. Yes. First item, I like the costume. It's good. I like it. I, I think it looks very striking. Some people don't. So I've seen some people not like it and other people really are into it. I think it really pops. I like it on screen. It's very silly that it doesn't have any head protection. It doesn't <laughs> make any sense. But it looks cool. And so that's really all that matters. I suppose uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye never seem to wear head protection. No, yeah, that's right. So, exactly. Like, like they, they've never got, like, helmets on. It's, it's just... And they don't even have superpowers. <laughs> no, not at all. Or a, a vibranium suit that flies them. They just have, no, like, a bow and arrow and a and a 
and a and dagger. Squishy human non-powered heads. Yes, super squishy. Yes. The next time on, on my list was it was Sharon all along. Ah! <laughs> oh, that's so much better than anything I could have come up with. <laughs> I feel like it was the obvious joke, but anyway, that's. Uh, <laughs> that's Stu, yes. never think that it's the obvious joke because you have dummies like me who just miss that one right, just like a train <laughs> barreling down the track, and I'm like, doop do do, nice day today. But jokes aside, I do think it's really interesting that you can look at those two reveals. And the the Agatha all along reveal was not a surprise. Like we had guessed that Agatha was up to no good, but the the show had made it obvious that something was going on with her. But it was a question of what was going on with her. You know what I mean? Like it was mm. it, we knew that something was up. We just didn't know what. And so when the show finally let us in, it was like it was letting us into a big secret. Yeah. And it was done really well and it mattered. Yeah. Whereas this, in the end, what did the power broker have to do with anything? Yeah. Sharon was a part of the show anyway, as Sharon Carter. The fact that she was the power broker, like what did that add to anything? (laughs) It doesn't add anything. It's It's another badass female character, Stu. Women. She could have been a badass female character while being, like, morally dubious in Madripoor. Like, that could have been a thing. Again, they obviously have plans for this down the line. I hope they yes. pay off. Yes. I really hope they pay off. Next item on my list was um, Sam's superpower is TED Talks. That was my, <laughs> that, that was my version of that uh, joke. Oh, that was very satisfying, Stu. Well done. <laughs> that was great. Yes, thank you. Very good. He's a clever man. That, 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 that speaks for itself. That's fair. We're, we're, we've, we've thoroughly <laughs> ventilated at that point. Um, the next item on my list, we haven't talked about this, Justice for Batrock. Batrock oh, dies. Did he what actually What a waste. Die? Yeah, he got shot. Sharon yeah. shoots him because he, he finds out that she's the power broker and he's like, okay, you're going to pay me four times what you were going to pay me. Otherwise, I'm telling everyone you're the power broker. And she's like, well, you're dead. Bang. Yeah, I'm like, what pretty. a waste. I commented after we saw the first episode, I'm like, isn't it great to have low-level villains like Batrock populating the universe? And it's like, no, yeah. they just brought they just brought him in to, sh- to kill him. Ugh. Yeah. The fact that he's a double agent, they treated that as if it was a big twist, that he was like a double agent working for the power broker. And yet, like, that meant nothing. None of it had any impact on anything else. It was just so strange. Mm. Anyway. I couldn't really understand the Batrock thing. He turned up, there was a fight. I was wondering whether he was making up the thing with Sam because his job was to kill Carly. But then he did have a he did have a vendetta against Sam, you know? So it's like a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it is just very poorly thought through, I think, and it all came to a head in the final episode. The next item on my list is Zemo's butler finishes the job. <laughs> That was a weird moment again. Like, it would have been interesting to keep a couple of those guys around. I, I would have liked to, you know, yeah. to see some of them again. That was interesting. Just you know? again. Like, like, certainly. Park, like, park them in the raft. They're there if you need them. Like, that's, totally. yeah. The Aussie guy was was a pretty compelling on-screen presence. I liked him. I thought he was good. But there was, like, a, a more sort of middle-aged looking or older looking woman who wasn't, like, really superhero looking. She was just, like, ordinary looking, if that makes sense. No shame to her, but, like, she just kind of looked like an ordinary person. Yes. And yet she had superpowers. I was like, that's yes. interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting to have that person in the Marvel Universe? I wonder who they could be. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, 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 they're going to the raft. If you don't want to use them, they can just be in the raft and not come out. But if you want to use them, you can just say they broke out or something. Yes, you know? exactly. Like, you could put them, put them away and not break them, but instead they kill them off. And I'm like, or have all right. Zemo brainwash them, and then he has super soldiers under his control again, or something. Yeah, yeah, or something like, like, yeah. or, or, or apply, like, like you could do a cool little moment where, like, he kind of sees them come in and, and says something like, "Oh, I'll be seeing you soon," or something like that. You know, like, yeah, implying that his work continues even though yes. he's behind bars still. I don't know. Like, I, I think, you know, it's 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 nice closure for his character. It's weird that he gets closure. Like, he is still one of the bad guys. But weirdly, throughout this whole show, I remain Team Zemo. Yeah. It's crazy. Too. He's He's me easily too. one of the best characters in this show. It's amazing. Absolutely. The next item on my list was, did, did Isaiah actually want a statue? 
Um, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I forgot all that Isaiah stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, well, the, the the episode kind of breezes past it. Well, no, not breezes past it, but they have they have a cool interaction, which I think kind of works. Like, I think kind of works as like a cap to that whole thing. Like, Isaiah, yeah. you know, well, it's if there's going to be a black Captain America, like, I'm glad that it's you, basically. And that works. Like, that, that gives both of those characters closure. It's a nice nod to have him added to the to the Smithsonian exhibit but yeah. it does become a weird thing then where like he specifically said he didn't you, you know like, like he specifically said he, he has very complicated feelings about his service and like and, yeah and also wasn't he kind of in hiding because he was like scared of authority yeah and I think I think he still was like like nothing about the exhibit says that he's alive and actually he's alive today and living in in um Baltimore or wherever he was. Yeah. They talk about him in the past tense, but but they sort of acknowledge that he existed, which is okay. Like I don't I don't mind that, but like it feels like first of all that should be a way bigger deal that there was a black Captain America and he was hidden for ages. Like yeah, that should be a way bigger deal. There should be a media release at the very least. Totally. Well, well, you know, well yes, kind of. And also well, like, like the government buried this, right? The only reason Sam knows about Sam was an Avenger. The only yeah. reason Sam knows about this is because he met Isaiah. Bucky introduced him. And Bucky introduced him. So would there even be people that, like, who did he talk to in the government to get this done? Is the government okay with him being Captain America? Like, So he could have gone maybe directly to the Smithsonian with some cash and gone, I want to pay for an extension to the they were, trying, they were trying to raise money to fix the boat. Yep. This is, yep. So, okay. The other thing that annoyed me about that <laughs> is that, to do anything in a museum or an exhibit, there is like so much curatorial. Okay. I knew you'd have something to say about this. Yeah. It could be cool. Okay. Do you remember a few years ago when I was working in government, there was a Marvel exhibition at the Queensland Art I Gallery, remember. right? Well, I attended a few, more than more than once. It was so good. We got our pictures taken. Remember, you and I were like, it, it was so good. Where are all those pictures? Did I post them online? We, we did. Or they had like five or six different sort of CGI pic, um, posters of the movies that you could kind of, you stood against a wall and they took your photo when it looked like you're in the poster. And you're like, oh, this is nice for kids. I'm a grown adult. I'm getting every single one. Uh, Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and Stu and I are like in there on, I think, the media release day after everyone had left. And I was like, Stu, let's go do the photos. <laughs> <laughs> he's like I've got a file and I'm like I don't care let's go do the photos and so I knew about that exhibit gosh for oh, six seven months eight months like a long time before it was announced a long time it was the worst secret yeah. to have to carry because I know all these freaking nerds I know the inside scoop that there's a massive world first Marvel exhibition coming to the Queensland Art Gallery in Brisbane and I can't tell anyone and get any social kudos god damn it but the time (laughs) the time that it took curators and the arts experts with their white gloves on to place everything to put everything in context to get all the interpretive boards it takes a long time and that's just for stuff that are that's just for things that are props from these movies the reality of the show is like something that's an actual statue or an actual history i'm sorry yeah, you know have like to commission a statue yeah they would have to commission a statue statues take time to cast and mold and yes. they would have had to, how did they were there pictures of isaiah that they could go from like reference pictures? exactly like they, they don't they don't show pictures like how would they know what he looked like they had photos on the on the wall on the plaque behind him they had like isaiah bradley oh, okay. and, a, and a picture of his but a picture of him as like an older man i don't think they had a how would they have pictures of him as an older man? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I thought it was – maybe it was a one – and I'm just thinking – I'm just I, – I could be Mandela affecting that one. But, it, it, again, it's like but he was off the radar. He, How did they get the time to do – I mean, I know that a bit of time passed, I guess, between his first visit. I was going to say, like, there, there is the implication that, that like, some time has passed between when he fights Carly and, and then and then later on when he takes Isaiah to the museum. Like, like we're, we're supposed to think that, like, oh. weeks, yeah. if not months, have gone by. But but having said that, like, yeah, you're right. Like, like, it's the sort of thing that would take a significant amount of time to organise. Yes, and it would make sense if he had said something like, oh, yeah, I went to Stark Industries and asked them to donate for this extension to the museum. Some some yeah. line about how... It would take how, one line of dialogue to explain it. 
Yeah, or just, you know, I've since I first met you, I've, I've had people working on this or something. But, yeah, for someone who's, like, trying to fundraise for his boat to then all of a sudden manage to coordinate the installation of a new gallery, look, again, it's just the reality. <laughs> no, sure, and it's obviously meant to be a moment of emotional catharsis. And yes. I, I guess it is, like, you know, it, it certainly played that way, and, and uh, Carl Lumley plays the, the hell out of it. But, you know, I, I just I, I didn't buy it for the character. Like, we, he has been so embittered by everything that's happened to him I thought the fact that he acknowledged Sam as Captain America was enough. That, that's a huge moment. And then this whole thing with the Smithsonian is kind of putting a hat on a hat. It doesn't necessarily service the character or the story in this show, but it does thematically tie in with everything that that show was drawing upon as inspiration. It's obviously something they're like, this is what should happen in real life. And so, therefore, in the show, we're going to do it, even though it doesn't make a ton of sense logistically or from a character perspective. Yes. It just annoyed me. I'm, I, yeah, forgot, no, no, totally. I forgot about it, but thank you for raising that. I was like, there would have to be time and curatorial input into that whole thing. <laughs> there would be forms, damn it. So many there forms. Would, there would be forms. Uh, maybe he got the grandson to, like, go through his old photos and – take them yeah, secretively yeah, so they got it through just they could have sure, been look, as I'm you sure say there's, yeah there, there's definitely explanations for all of this but none of them were on screen yes and so le- leaving that behind the final uh, item on my list was u.s agent oh gosh yes uh, yeah again remember we forgot about john i totally forgot about john turning up in that whole fight and having his his shield just crushed like a like a bug yeah like, like it's it's just some stainless steel like it's gonna get it's gonna get smashed up it was a garbage trash can lid uh, <laughs> exactly he's, he's just painted it painted it uh in the colors yeah i thought for sure that he, it would be like a three-cornered fight i was thinking that he would go in with a vendetta against the flag smashers but also against bucky and sam and that he would be it would be like a three-way fight. I thought that's how it was it was going to play out. Mm. But then he showed up and he's like, no, no, I'm totally, I'm one of the good guys now. So, yeah, all, all that stuff. And then he and Bucky are like quipping at each other. Yes. I'm like, ah, no, it, no, thank you. It's just like old times. Yeah, well, that, that, so time where, that time <laughs> where your, your sidekick got killed and then you murdered someone. And then we beat you up and took the shield off you. Bucky just broke your arm an episode ago. Yep. And they're making jokes about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yes. It was very convenient, I guess. Yeah. Like, again, I didn't hate John Walker. I thought he was one of the most compelling characters in the in the show. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, and Wyatt Russell does an amazing job as, as we're just writing that line of someone who's kind of a dickhead, but also you get where he's coming from and, and he has genuine problems and he's a hero. Like, he's he has three medals of honor for God's sake, you know, but mm. he's also unhinged because of his experiences. Everyone seems to then be like, "Well, you're back in the fold now. You've proved yourself." Well, I mean, like yes he no, went rogue. We don't know how we don't he? know how mainstream the Contessa is. Like, like we don't know exactly how official and sanctioned her her actions are. So, like, he's called U.S. Agent because that's his name in the comics. Like, that's that's the character he is in the comics. That 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 again is a very comics accurate costume, by the way. Like the costume that he comes out in at the end, which I thought was a very poignant line. It's the same but black. Uh, <laughs> I, that that has to be deliberate. That has to be deliberate, right? Is that like a reference to Sam? Like it's it's the same. Like he's Captain America now. It's the same but black. Oh. I j- like, oh that's my god! Deliberate, right? Or am I am I being racist? I don't know. I just I just got that. I that sorry. Yeah, I th- just thought you mean in terms of like, oh, I'm the same, but like the evil version or something. But no, you actually mean black. Like Sam is black. Wow. Yeah. I like I just did didn't. Not. I didn't know whether that was a deliberate. Uh, that has to be deliberate. Surely. I don't know. Someone's done some thinking there. Someone's done something. Surely, yes, absolutely. That that costume that he has is is very comics accurate as well. So again, like they're starting to sort of bring more stuff over from the comics, which is interesting. Yeah. But yeah, like he kind of gets a happy ending in many ways. (laughs) Like (laughs) he gets everything he wanted. He gets he gets to be a super soldier without the baggage of Captain America. He gets to be his own version of Captain America, which is as close to a happy ending as his character can get, really. He's ecstatic at the end. He's like, I'm back, yeah. baby, I'm back. Yeah, it, it's very um, boyish, this kind of like, yeah, yeah. 
you know, I'm a superhero mom. Which, you know, paves the way again. Like, we will see him again. And I can't wait. I, I really like his character. And it paves the way for him to be more of a morally ambiguous sort of figure, a bit more of an anti-hero. Yeah, more willing to go into South America and get rid of the... <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. What are they called? The the Juntas? No, the... Yeah, no, Juntas. No, uh, to cartels. me... Cartels. Cartels, <laughs> yes, right. thank you. Thank you. I was like, the thing with the drug guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Stu, that brings us to the end of the Wild Stallion and the Sexy Guy. And I think in the end we can agree that they were both the Wild Stallion and the Sexy Guy. That's it. Although um, only one got a name change in the official title. That's a good point because, like, the whole thing about yeah. Bucky's journey is that he's not the Winter Soldier anymore. Yeah, except, yeah. So so it should have been Captain America and Bucky, except that, yes. sounds, kind, that sounds kind of silly in 2021. Or James... Buchanan Barnes. It would that... have been. It would have been interesting, or you know, maybe. I mean, you know, lean into White Wolf. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. But they're not doing that. <laughs> they're just. Going, they're calling him the Winter Soldier. That's what he is. Even though his entire arc this season was shedding the Winter Soldier persona, although that kind of got lost towards the end. Yeah. Well, they showed him apologizing to the. Oh, ju- just barely. Like they they yeah. showed the start of that scene and then nothing else. Like it's yeah, like, oh, and everything's fine. Yeah, they didn't show the guy actually reacting or, you know, crying or he he was just like, I had no choice. And then cut away. Cut away. No, no more explanation. And then later on, the old man's happy. Uh, the girl's happy. <laughs> like he's got his rocks off. How good is this? How good is um, this? That's, that's a very specific reference that probably only three people will get. Oh, oh my um, God. Super niche 2006 reference there. <laughs> Hashtag get this. Hashtag Rex Hunt. If you don't know what we're talking about, just don't even bother. It's a very long don't, don't even, niche reference. So, Stu, I think we're at the end of this podcast series. We certainly Ooh, are, because the series yeah. is over now. It, would, it yeah. wouldn't make sense to keep going. Well, we will probably have a uh, week off because I have some shows coming up starting in early May, and I need to do some work on them. Yes, you're going to be and very busy. Mainly publicising them, which is what I'm doing now. Please come and see my shows. Go to actreact.com.au and you can find out about The Importance of Being Wasted, which is an intoxicating take, you might say, on The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde, in which two actors every night will be drunk as we perform the show. So that is going to be very fun. And The Great Grandiosa is a comedy show where I play a very, very dodgy psychic and it's a lot of fun. It's sort of more uh, improvisation based where I will get, I will read your palms and tell your fortunes and predict your future and look at your past lives. And it's obviously all me being a, a shonk, but um, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Actoreact.com.au, please come along if you're in Brisbane. If you want to hear more of us, there's like a whole lot of back episodes if you're just a new convert i there will is, if, you, if you ever if you ever want to watch the james bond movies we did a whole year of them <laughs> we did a whole year on the james bond films with a lot of really cool guest stars Absolutely. yes and we will also be doing some batman movies shortly and probably then the loki series but oh, if yes. there's something you think we should have a look at you can find Stu on twitter at disco Stu. he doesn't need to advertise but I do it for him anyway. And I'm at Girl Clumsy on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. And once again, if I may shout out the wonderful people who support me on Patreon, which at this very strange time of, of unreliable incomes and post-COVID recoveries uh, have been a, a guiding light to me. So thank you all so much. Patreon.com slash Girl Clumsy if you want to follow along there. I, I'm kind of sad this one is over, but uh, I guess looking forward to Loki now, Stu. I think that's going to be very fun. Very fun series. I'm, I'm, then, I love love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Luke Wilson is in it? Like it's Owen Wilson. Cra- oh, Owen Wilson, sorry. Yes, yeah, so I've got the wrong Wilson brother. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It look it looks fun. It looks like a lot of fun, and I can't. And it looks bonkers in in the way that Marvel cosmic stuff has become absolutely unhinged, which I love. Yes. I love that they're going full crazy weird with that stuff. Nice. More of that. I love it. Well, I think that's what gets us, you know, talking good stuff is when we have yeah, fun exactly. things to talk about. Whether it's like from the past with James Bond or from strange fantasy worlds like Game of Thrones or comic book excitement. Um, But definitely let us know if there's something you'd like us to kind of recap and chat about. Until then, Stu, I I don't have a (laughs) sign-off. 
You know what? <laughs> Let me now begin my five-minute lecture on world peace and how we can achieve it if you will yes. just shut up and talk for a bit. If all right. Well, talk, I will. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening to Wild Sally and the Sexy Guy, and we will see you next time. Then bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>